Have you ever compared yourself to someone and it left you feeling more down about yourself? Depressed? Anxious? Or even mad? Well, this is the trap of comparison. So stay tuned because on this episode, we're going to talk about how not to fall into that trap. Welcome to the Believer's House, your home to all things Christian living. Welcome back to the Believer's House, everyone. I'm your host, John Bowen, and thanks for tuning in. As I said in my intro, have you ever compared yourself to somebody and it left you feeling more down about yourself, depressed, anxious, resentment towards God, jealousy, anger, like all these bad feelings? Well, this is the trap of comparison. And in this episode, I want to talk about the trap of comparison. But before we talk about that trap, we got to go to the root of it of why do we compare? Well, it's human nature. We even call ourselves the comparing creatures because we're comparing ourselves from the time that we're able to when we're young to the time that we're almost on our deathbed. We're comparing our lives to what we should have done to what we actually did, comparing our lives to how other people lived their lives versus how we lived ours or what other people had versus what we didn't have or what we had. And comparison can be a good thing and a bad thing, but we got to make sure we use it for good and not for bad because God intended for us to use it for good. But comparison is inevitable because it's what we hear all our lives from others ourselves, you know, our colleagues, parents, friends, everybody. And we hear it the most from ourselves because we talk to ourselves the most in our mind. And a lot of the time we're comparing this and that, usually our lives to somebody else. And the enemy will use that against you in a comparison trap. And that's why it's so important for us to be able to distinguish and identify bad comparison versus good comparison. So in this episode, we're going to talk about that. So let me go on to explaining what the comparison trap is. It's the plot the enemy uses against us when we start comparing ourselves to others. He'll twist comparison to make you feel like your life is worth nothing, make you resent God, and to get you to fall into the temptations of your flesh. It will have us chasing after our own desires, after our own will. And he tries to make that bad comparison voice louder than the good comparison. And we get ourselves into the prison of comparison because we let those voices become louder than God's voice. God never intended comparison to leave us feeling worse than we started off. God intended comparison to lead us to growth and correction and towards his will, not away from it. So it may lead you to ask, well, what's good comparison and what's bad comparison? Let me start off with what bad comparison is. Bad comparison is comparing ourselves to another human to where we put them on a pedestal higher than God. We do this subconsciously and we don't even realize it. We put somebody else's life on such a high level that we forget what God is telling us and how highly God thinks of our lives. And we use that bad comparison to chase after our own ambitions and our will because we want somebody else's gifts and their promises. And we go after that because we want it, not because we want what God wants for us. We want our own fleshly desires. And that's what bad comparison can do to us. 
But bad comparison also leads to chasing after justification, making you feel better than somebody else. A lot of Christians do this. We try to put somebody else down to make us feel better about ourselves or to, or to justify our sins. This is so wrong. And God does see that and he will humble you. And another way we do bad comparison is we use it for the approval of man or the world. We see what everybody else is loving, what they're approving of and what the world is approving of that we forget and lose sight of what God approves, what God wants for us. We want so much of what others are liking so that we can feel good about ourselves so that we can find that validation, which goes back to my last episode of knowing your identity in God and not allowing ourselves to look for validation in the world and other people. So I want to go into the book of Psalms, Psalm 73. I just love the book of Psalms because David keeps it real with God the whole entire time. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. It's actual dialogue between David and God. David doesn't hide anything. And it's, that's how it should be between us and God. God doesn't want us to hide our feelings because one, he already knows about it. And two, he wants us to present it to him. That way it shows him that we trust him with it. That we are being vulnerable and saying, God, I feel this way. Why am I feeling this way? How can I stop feeling this way? What are you saying to me in this moment? So let me read Psalm 73. It's a Psalm of Asaph, which Asaph is believed to transcribe the words of David in this Psalm. And so we have a good example here of how David is keeping it real with God and saying, God, why is my life like this and theirs is like this? I'm being more faithful to you, but here I am suffering and they're over here prospering, but they're not doing your work. So let me go ahead and read it for you before I get too ahead of myself. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil in their pride and they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to our people. So I try to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Then I went to your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff of destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. 
I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on this earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Man, this psalm is so poetic, so authentic. I feel the pain that David feels so many times when I try to compare my life to somebody else's, especially when I see that they're doing all these bad things, that they're, they're not advancing the kingdom of God. While I'm sitting here trying to be patient, trying to be true to God and true to his will, but I see other people all doing these worldly things and I get jealous. And I can feel David's jealousy here in these Psalms. So it leads me to my first point of how we can tell this is bad comparison when we allow it to make us jealous. In verses 2 through 16, we can see how jealous David is of these people who have all these riches, but they're not doing anything that reflects God. He says, I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everybody else. How are they able to act like this and still have a nice life, so it seems? You know, it looks good on the surface, but we'll, go, we'll come to realize that it only leads to destruction. Just like sin. Sin looks good on the surface, but in the end, it leads to destruction of our lives. And so you see where this jealousy almost causes David to slip into that trap where it almost causes David to start chasing after his own will because he, see these, he sees these other people prospering. As he says in verse two, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. I almost strayed off that path that you had for me, God, because I wanted to chase what they had. I wanted to chase after my own fleshly, fleshly desires instead of what you have for me, because I was allowing this comparison and my jealousy to take over, to speak louder than your voice. Kind of relate to David in this sense, right? We can relate to David's feelings of feeling jealous, of feeling angry towards God, because he's saying, God, I'm doing all this for you. I'm trying to advance your kingdom. But these people over here are not. These people are so wicked. These people are so mean. These people are not of you. And yet they're living a prosperous life. So it seems. And we can relate to it in the sense of especially being Christians. And we see all these other people living for the world. And we're saying to God, God, I'm serving in the church. I'm serving in the community. I'm telling people about you. I'm giving to the church. I'm reading my Bible every day. I'm praying to you every day. I'm trying to be faithful. But here these other people are living the nice life. And I'm stuck here miserable with myself why god why but here as we continue to read on god sets david straight david realizes what he's doing david realizes he's falling into that trap that we fall into so many times and he instantly snaps out of it and says oh wait hold on hold on let me stop 
because it leads me to my second point of how we use bad comparison to try to justify ourselves higher than someone else try to justify ourselves as being more in favor of God or being a better Christian. So let's look at an example that David gives us in verses 13 through 16. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I try to understand why the wicked prosper. And we can kind of feel David's pain in this sense. What we say to God, God, I'm serving you. I'm trying to be a light in this world for you. But here these people are not being the light of the world that you have called them to be, not living the life that you have called them to called them to live. Doing all these things that are against your will, drinking, partying, smoking, having sex all the time. And they look a whole lot happier than I look right now. God, I'm a better Christian than them. How come they get to be happy? How come I have to sit here feeling so sorry for myself? How come that person, they're not as good as a Christian as me, but how come they get the position that they have? How come they get this gift and I don't? And I feel that because I've done it sometimes. And don't try to say that you've never done it before too. Because Christians are going to be real quick to say, oh, nah, I would never say that to God. I'm so thankful for God and what he's given me. But on the inside, you're saying, man, I'm a better Christian than them. How come they get that and I don't? Oh, but we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to expose ourselves about that, huh? Well, I'm going to expose myself because I've definitely thought that. I felt entitled to these gifts because I thought I was a better Christian than somebody else. But God will humble you real quick. And he gives us an example of it in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. Do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye, when you can't even see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So Jesus is saying here, don't forget that you have your own problems as well. Don't forget that you sin just like that other person too. Just because you may not sin as much as them doesn't mean that you're still not a sinner. Because all are guilty and falling short of the glory of the Lord. Just because you don't sin as much as them doesn't make you not as guilty because all of you are guilty. And Jesus will set it straight just like that. Boy, if Jesus was around today, so many people would be ready to fight him because he keeps it real. He ain't afraid of offending anybody, but he tells it in love. Jesus will get canceled so quick in our culture today because he keeps it real. And a lot of people get so offended by the truth because they can't handle the truth. Because they don't see that there's freedom in truth. They only want to believe the lies that the enemy tells them to make them feel comfortable in their sin. Because they don't want to be uncomfortable. But being uncomfortable, being told the truth, facing the truth, leads to growth. But let's go and look at verses 21 and 22 of Psalm 73. Where David gets humbled. And where David sees that truth of how he is acting. Then I realized that my heart was bitter. And I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. 
I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, God. David is seeing how arrogant he's being, how ungrateful he is being because God has brought him so high, but he's so focused on the gifts that everybody else is getting that he can't see what God is already doing in his life. And he realizes that he realizes that in this moment where he says, dang, man, I really was being ungrateful. My heart was bitter. I was all torn up inside whenever I realized this. I was, he was feeling so convicted because he's seen how wicked he was acting, how he was acting just like them. And he realized I was being foolish and ignorant. But so many people can't tell themselves that. So many people can't face that truth, that they are being ignorant. I've been ignorant at times, and I had to face that truth. It took me a while to face that truth, but I finally faced it. And it led me to being more understanding. It led to growth and correction in my life to allow me to be able to understand the perspective of other people so that I can have difficult conversations and be able to still move on past those difficult conversations because I am not closed minded or ignorant to the facts. And it takes a certain level of maturity to say that you're wrong, to say that you are ignorant. And a lot of people don't have that, but it isn't until you really come to God that you will get that gift of being humbled and saying, Hey, now let me calm down. Let me stop because I am not being Christ-like in this moment. I am not being a good follower of God in this moment. If I'm allowing myself to be so ignorant to what God is doing to being so oblivious to what God is already doing in my life that I'm trying to justify myself and put these people down whenever I have my own problems myself. And God will remind us just because they prosper in this world doesn't mean it's better because his will is the safest place. As we look in Psalm 73 verses 17 through 20, David says, then I went to your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff of destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. David realized that I need to go to God. I need to sit in God's sanctuary. I need to sit in God's presence because his will for me is better than my will for myself. I'm taking myself down a dangerous path and I need to get myself back aligned with God before I go down that path of them. And then God reminded him of how it may seem that the wicked prospers, but in the end, it leads to destruction. They are going down the path of destruction. And when we resent God, and try to go down our own path and chase that prosperity of the world. He will allow us to go down that path because with our gift of free will, you made that decision. God didn't want you to go down that path, but you made that decision to go down that path of destruction because you wanted temporary desires. You wanted temporary things that will fill you up or so it may seem it will fill you up, but in the end, it will only lead to destruction. And God will not allow the wicked to truly prosper for they will be destroyed. And David finally understood this. Once he spent time with God, once he actually came to God and listened to God, 
instead of being so closed minded. And so it shows us here, like David sees when he spends time in God's sanctuary, he sees the truth of how that life truly isn't what it seems to be because it leads to destruction. But being in God's sanctuary reveals truth of how not to go down that path about how God has our best interest in mind if we only trust him. And even though we get mad at God, he still reminds us that though we will get mad at him, he's still going to protect us, that we should believe in him and give our lives to him because we are still his. And we see that in verses 23 through 28, where it says, yet I still belong to you and you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. God is forgiving David for being so close-minded and getting mad at him. And he reminds David that I will continue to carry you. I will forgive you. Though you get mad at me, I'm not going to let you fall. I'm going to always be right there for you as long as you trust me. I'm going to lead you with my counsel. I'm going to lead you with the Holy Spirit. And God has a glorious destiny for us. Even though we can't see it right now, he will have it in the future. We just got to trust him. And the glorious destination may not be this earth, but it is heaven. It is eternal life with God. Would you rather give up eternal life with God chasing the temporary desires of this world? Or would you rather go to the promise that he has for you and never live in that anxiety, depression, doubt, jealousy, anger, and be in love, peace, joy, never facing the horrible realities of this earth ever again, but living in peace and prosperity with God in heaven? And though my health may fail, my spirit may grow weak. David admits that I will go through these challenges. I will be weak in spirit sometimes. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. God will remain faithful to you, even though you may get mad at him. And those who desert him will perish. Those who desert him will not be able to enjoy life in heaven with him. They will forfeit that life chasing their own desires and the desires of this earth. And God will always be with us. And it's so good to be near God because that is where we have peace and rest in our souls. As David says in verse 28, but as for me, how good it is to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord, my shelter. When we make God our shelter, we experience that peace, that love, that joy, that we don't have to worry about anything because God has our best interest in mind. And I will tell everyone about it because I want everybody else to experience that feeling that I'm feeling. And it's just such a great song because it shows us the full process of how we start comparing ourselves to others. We fall into that trap, but then God will not allow us to fall into that trap. God will help us realize, oh, let me stop. Let me stop being jealous. Let me stop trying to justify myself to God and make myself feel like a better Christian than somebody else. Let me go to God's sanctuary because I need to trust him with my life.
he has my best interest in mind if I just give it to him. But let's get our bad comparison. Let's talk about how good comparison can help us. What God says good comparison is. When we compare ourselves to Christ for correction and growth, we shouldn't compare ourselves to another man because man is flawed. Man is guilty. But we should compare ourselves to Christ because Christ is the word that came to life. Christ is the instruction that we should follow. Christ is the example that we should follow. And it goes with plenty of verses that I have right here. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Paul is saying here, look at yourselves. Are you being like Christ? Because if you are like Christ, then you are in faith. If you are trying to be more like Christ, you are truly in faith. And test yourself to see if you are truly in that faith. But do you not realize this, that Christ is already in you? That you already have the love, the life of Christ in you, the spirit of Christ in us. And it's hard to see that if we're so focused on our own desires when we're not living in faith. Let me give you another example found in John 13, 13 through 17. Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. For if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus is giving us a great example right here of how he came with a servant's heart, even though he is our Lord, our master, and how we should live our lives like he did, do the things that he did, have that servant's heart and saying that, listen, if I have washed your feet, you should go and wash somebody else's feet because you are not higher than anybody else. So if you want to compare yourself to somebody, compare yourself to me. Follow the example that I have left you so that you may have that servant's heart so that you may, may be able to come closer to me and form my will for you and to advance my kingdom in becoming like me in bringing more people like me by living that life of example. So if you're going to compare yourself to anybody, compare yourself to what I did. Ask yourself, am I doing what Christ did? For he's the teacher. We call him our teacher. We call him our Lord. Well, if we call him our teacher and our Lord, why would we not do what he did? Why would we try and go to do what somebody else did when they're not our Lord, when they're not our teacher? We should go and do what our Lord, our master, Jesus left for us and have that servant's heart and live in love and kindness. And here's another example. First Peter 2, 21. For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example so that you might follow in his steps. Like I said earlier, Christ left an example for us. We should suffer for God. We are going to suffer for God as Christians, and that's the hard fact that Christians don't want to face. But just as Jesus suffered for us, we should also suffer for him, as he left that example for us, and we should follow that example. And then another example that I'm going to leave is 1 John 2, 6. 
Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So if you say you're a Christian, if you say that you're like Jesus, that you're walking like Jesus, then do it. You say it, now walk it like you talk it. I like that song by Migos, walk it like I talk it. If you're going to talk about it, be about it. So don't say you're going to be like Christ, but then walk like somebody else who is not like Christ, who is of the world, because you want the things that they want, because you're comparing your life to them, because it may seem that their life is a lot better than yours. Now, nah, walk, walk the walk that Christ left for us. Follow the example that he left for us if we say that we want to be like him. And so we should focus more on our comparison to Jesus more than our comparison to another person. When we focus our comparison to Jesus, it leads to that growth and correction and just becoming more like him and living the abundant life that he has called us to live. So let me leave you with the difference of what comparison to man leaves you with versus what comparison to Jesus leaves you with. Comparison to man leads to depression, anxiety, anger, and resentment towards God and jealousy. But comparison to Christ leads to correction, peace, love, and growth. An example here would be in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is saying here, submit ourselves to him. We should allow comparison to Christ to lead us to him. We should submit ourselves to him and let that comparison lead us to him so he can carry the load of our lives, which leads to peace. We should give him that worry, that burden, that doubt, anxiety, that jealousy, that anger. We should let him have that load, the whole load of our lives, because his strength can carry us through that because we are too weak to go through that by ourselves. But by his strength, we are able to fight those battles. We are able to go through those feelings, that pain, that anguish, through those storms that we sometimes put ourselves into. And so the yoke of Jesus is easy and light as compared to the yoke of others because we try to take on our own yoke or the yoke of others and take each other's burdens and we're not strong enough to do that. We need to allow Jesus to do that, to take our own yoke and not try to take the burdens of somebody else or even our own burdens. We should let Jesus take that. The yoke of Jesus is easy and light as long as we do not rebel against it. That means we can't rebel against God's word. We can't rebel against God's will for us because if we do, then it shows we are trying to take it upon our own strength to do it and we don't have the strength to do it. It's going to lead down a path of destruction. We are going to fall so many times. But if we trust Jesus with it and allow him to take it, then we will find prosperity and growth and peace. The yoke of Jesus has nothing to do with worries that are forbidden to us. You know, we worry so much about so many things that we don't need to in comparison. Because comparison is us worrying about somebody else's life, what they have, uh, how they're living their life, how much better their life may be than ours, or how much worse their life may be than ours to justify ourselves. And we shouldn't be worrying about that. We should only worry about today. We should worry about our own lives or saving other people. We should worry about growing more towards Christ rather than 
worrying about otherworldly things as Jesus says not to, which is these forbidden worries. The yoke of Jesus doesn't have those worries upon him. It has peace. It has rest for our souls. So before I end this episode, I want to leave you with three tips on how to handle comparison. The first one, be humble. Whenever you start feeling yourself comparing yourself to somebody and maybe try to use it to justify yourself to God, saying that they have this and that and I don't, but I follow you and they don't. Why? You got to approach that as being humble and not in the fact of saying, God, they're so much better than me. God, you know, I'm not worthy of this. And to be honest, we're all not worthy of the gifts of God, but his grace is unspeakable and undescribable of how amazing his grace is. But don't think less of yourself. A quote that C.S. Lewis says is humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. So stop thinking about what you can benefit out of it and start thinking about what does God want out of my life? What is God wanting out of this situation? Stop thinking about what you want and start thinking about what God wants. So that's the first tip. Be humble. Second tip. Ask yourself, is this leading me to God or away from God? If it's leading you away from God, then that's very obvious. It's bad comparison and that you need to immediately stop that. If it's making you get mad at God, if it's making you resent God and want to start chasing after your own desires, take things into control yourself because it's only going to lead to destruction and failure. But if it's leading you to God, then you know that's good comparison. You know that's the Holy Spirit leading you and trying to be more like Christ and advancing his kingdom. If it's leading you to God, then it's humble. If it's leading you to God, it's selfless. Selfless. It's in love. It provides peace and rest for your soul. It leads you down God's will for your life. So that's the second one. Ask yourself, is this leading me to God or away from God? And then the third one. Allow it to correct you. That means facing the truth that you don't want to face sometimes. That means looking yourself in the mirror and saying, hey, I might be in the wrong. That means allowing that truth to resonate within you, to push you to growth, to push you to being more like Christ. Allowing it to grow more in your faith and making you want to go more towards God's will. Because once you finally decide that you want to face that truth and that you want to make things better, that you want to learn from it, it will lead to more prosperity and more wisdom and guidance from God and will allow him to work more in your life and allow you to see the things that you were not able to see before. And you will end up better at the end of the day. So that is the third tip. Allow it to correct you. So I'm going to repeat the tips three, one more time. One, be humble. Two, ask yourself, is this leading me to God or away from God? And three, allow it to correct you. This has really helped me as I looked more into it and how God says we should compare ourselves and use comparison. And I really hope that it helps somebody else, too, because it has changed my perspective on so many things. And as always, 
I hope you guys listen to this and share this with a friend because the more that God's kingdom advances, the more that people learn the truth of God and how he wants us to attack these problems and attack this world with the perspective that he wants us to have, it can change our whole lives and make people more happier, prosperous, wiser. There will not be as much this debate, as much hate in this world, if we can learn just how to look at things at the perspective that God wants us to look at, and that is from a heavenly perspective led by the Holy Spirit. So I hope this helps you guys out, and as always, God bless. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to subscribe to my channel. I'll be uploading content on here every weekend. Also, follow my Instagram at jbsmooth3.0 and my TikTok at jbsmooth32. There, you can let me know any topics you would like to hear about. And finally, share this with a friend. You may never know if they need to hear this. Hope to see you next episode, and God bless.